Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, Housing Wire's editor-in-chief Sarah Wheeler and lead analyst Logan Motoshami discuss how Zillow's model crushed its eye-buying business. Logan also discusses his recent HW Plus article that claims despite the COVID-19 crisis, American household balance sheets look the best they have in years, meaning home prices may not decline for a while. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you, convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. Well, welcome, Logan. So glad to have you on Housing Wire Daily today. It's a pleasure to be here. We wanted to talk, we had uh, scheduled you to talk already um, because we wanted to talk about your article on waiting for home prices to drop and some of that news. And then yesterday we got, you know, the announcement from Zillow that they were uh, stopping their iBuying program and really wanted to, you wrote a great piece for us uh, last night and would love to uh, talk about that first. So let's jump into Zillow if that works for you. Yes, you know what? The Zillow story isn't too shocking, um, but you know their stock price had been going down for for some time, and you know everyone was talking about how they were overpaying. But to the extent that their models, you know, when models go wild, they go bad, and then you have to shut down your business model. Um, it it must have been a really big big uh, a shock to them how how much they were losing money. On these purchases. So, you know, the whispers were going around for months now that Zillow was overpaying. But to this extent, um, I would be surprised if the Zillow CEO even survives this because most likely more info will come out uh, uh, over the next few months. But this was, you know, again, for, for my work has always been housing is always the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt. You know, it's primarily always driven by uh, mortgage buyers. But when you're in it for money, and you know the uh, kind of flipping has been falling for the last eleven years. Even the profit margins were flipping, so it just it kind of seemed like they were really overpaying now in the price growth. And you know we talked about that in the the article we wrote for uh, uh, for Housing Wire yesterday. It just didn't seem feasible. But I just assumed that they were they they knew they were losing the money and they weren't. And I think that's that's the big story. That if they were surprised that this was happening, that's a management issue more than anything else. I think that's a great point because um, to your to your point, when we saw that, oh wow, you know, I mean, those reports came in that they were paying one hundred fifty thousand dollars over what it seemed like a house was worth or something like that, then we all just assumed, well, they must have a strategy behind that. That must be part of like the, you know, I think something you mentioned was, you know, Amazon's strategy. Just okay, we're going to just grab market shares so we don't care if we overpay. But if instead it was that they didn't realize they were overpaying, that that's a larger issue. And I think one of the the 
quote you pulled out in your article um, from uh, Zillow CEO, Rich Barton, where he said, we've determined the unpredictability in forecasting home prices far exceeds what we anticipated. I thought that was very interesting. You know, it it is in in the sense that the rate of growth of pricing is is unsustainable, right? You know, and if you thought that was going to continue, let's assume they had a six-month pricing model, you would need a credit boom to facilitate that. You know, something like we saw from 2002 to 2005, we didn't have that this year. I mean, housing demand is stable. We're at pre-cycle highs, but there is no credit boom. So in a sense, Zillow is the overpaid uh, uh, housing entity. Now, they're they're so tiny in the scope of things uh, out of the total home sales, but it just really shows how bad the concept was if there was an actual coherent game plan to lose money and it was okay, they're going to take market share, but it wasn't. So this was a this was a major, major bad management call because they should have been, or or even if their models were telling them home prices was going to grow, the rate of growth is just not there. And that's why flipping hasn't been that big of a thing lately. So uh, I think it's, I, I, I honestly believe this. I, I don't know how the CEO survives if more information comes out that, or if people were raising the red flags on this a few months ago. So it's pretty early in this, but it 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 is a big oops. Well, you know, especially, you know, some people are jumping on this going, you know, I buying is unsustainable as a whole model, but it's not exactly true. I mean, we do have, we have OfferPad, you have other people uh, doing, uh, you know, the right, doing it, if you want to say the right way, or at least a, a more profitable way than this. So I don't think that, I think it's too much of a stretch to say, because Zillow didn't do a good job on this, I buying as a whole is just, you know, is dead in the water. What What are your thoughts? Here's, here's the thing. When, when housing becomes a profit, model or or you need a business model around the price of it um you have to be very careful because home home buyers in a sense they buy it for shelter but if you're trying to compete with other people then i don't know where the profit margins are going to come from uh, unless there is some kind of pain you know we used to always say you know cash buyers buy at a discount they don't overpay right that's 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 kind of the token rule you know, so so if you're trying to make money buying something, then, re, you know, uh, re, fixing it up and selling it, if it's not for a profit, then what are you doing? You're either buying, you're, you either just tell people we're going for market share, we're going to lose money always, or you're trying to uh, incorporate this as a bigger model. Like, you know, it, this is one of the reasons why I don't think Amazon has got into housing. It's not that. It's not that easy, but the fact that they were buying homes, paying for a cash overprice, and then losing money, and this was known for some time, not a good business model. So I, you know, I understand what, what the other iBuyers are doing, but again, you have to have a, a vision and you have to have a game plan on what the purpose of this is. And if it's not to make money, then you got to let your shareholders know. You know, and, and and I think at some point Wall Street was letting them slide on this for a long time. Not anymore. The last few months showed it and they just got boom, taken out. Great points on that. Love that, Logan. Thanks for for jumping in there. Um, you know what? That that segues into the other um, article you wrote this week, which was uh, the headline is waiting for a big drop in home prices. It could be a while. Um, yes, it, yeah, and, and in that context, it's really interesting because it goes back to a lot of the other things I've talked about for many years, 
going into this crisis, uh, homeowners' financial profiles look very good. Uh, that wasn't the conventional wisdom for those people that are saying home prices are going to go down 30, 40, 50, 60% because Americans are distressed. They, they, they can't afford their homes. They, they can't afford food on their plates, whatever, whatever the ideological takes are. But it wasn't, it wasn't the case. And we saw that early in COVID that certain buyers just said, eh, I don't really need to sell. I'm just going to hold back. Six, seven weeks later, the market started coming back. Okay, now I can sell. Homeowners not only looked good going into this crisis, they got a lot better, right? And, and some of those uh, charts that I put into that article, you know, household debt service payments as a percentage of personal disposable income, all-time lows now. Uh, the same with mortgage payments as well. Uh, the quality of loans are that these are fixed long-term debts. They're tedious products, right? They're 15 to 30 years. Homeowners are staying in their homes longer. You know, that's such, such an important story because the velocity of inventory doesn't move like it used to. People think that the housing market is like a stock. This is why these, these crash people have been wrong for going into year 11 now. Uh, people buy their homes to live in. They live there, their kids go to school, they raise their families. They don't look at it as an investor. And this is why the constant theme I try to bring is housing is the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt. You know, if, if a, in theory, the marketing pitch is over, is it a good time to sell? Well, if it's a good time to sell, that means you have to buy, right? So the whole, right. <laughs> the whole pitch, the whole pitch is a, is, is a fraudulent pitch. If you're selling, you're selling to buy. Or in theory, you're, you maybe rent a home, but typically you sell to buy another one. So the equation is, is flawed because people go, well, it's a great time to sell. Okay, well, it has to be a great time to buy too, right? So it's just, there's so much more to the housing economic story. It's terribly boring, I know, but it explains a lot of the things that goes on. In that article for, uh, for Housing Wire, I just wanted to show that, wow, homeowners looked really good going into this crisis. Boy, they look a lot better now I mean, the last two years, you could say that homeowners in America have never looked this good, maybe in the history of not U.S. economics. We go back to Cleopatra days. Uh, the amount of <laughs> their fixed low debt payments with these long term debt structures in here, boy, they're they're solid. They could sit there. Why? Because the cost of shelter for them is not that much compared to what it is out there. Well, and, and some of the points that you made in that article were the, was the fact that um, home tenure is now so much longer. So now we're, we're closing in on like 10 years, people stay in their homes. So the idea, and, and we'll see it, I'm sure you've already seen it. You are, you know, you are the uh, master at social media, people using the Zillow example to say, you know, oh, this is, in fact, um, I had a, a conversation with someone in my family last night who was like, so does this mean housing's about to crash if Zillow had to do all this? And I was like, oh my That's gosh, a, no. This is <laughs> this is this is why my job was to always go after the housing bubble boys, right? The forbearance crash bros, the anti-central bank people. These people have been wrong for year 11 now, right? Because they're not they're not data people, right? They're not and but the narrative of how housing gets discussed uh, and, and I wrote that in, in, in the uh, uh, Zillow piece. We just had the weakest housing recovery ever from 2008 to 2019. I separate my work in those two, two, two timeframes. You don't have a housing crash when demand is soft running into it. It just doesn't work that way. So people are, are prone to fall for these YouTubers and anything. And this is why I've argued some of these YouTube people talked about Q4 housing being in a crash. Everything is a crash to these people. It's like they wake up in the morning and go, housing has to crash because 
I honestly believe this. The great American bears of our lifetime, right? When housing crashed, they really pushed on it. And when they really pushed on it, they, uh, they talked about how this is not uh, a, 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 you can't buy a home. Why would you buy a home? You're going to, home prices are going to go down. You know what? Your equity is going to get wiped out. These are truly bearish American people. And they lost. America won. America itself, its people has crashed these people. Why? And they will never change because they wake up every morning. They are the troll. They are not the detective. <laughs> Well, you have been the detective throughout this process, and we so appreciate that. I, I think, you know, to really understand what a crash would mean or even what a huge drop in home prices. So, you know, the, the article you wrote this week was like waiting for a big drop in home prices. So even if it wasn't a crash, the whole thing is like if you have people who have they have a low payment right now. I mean, they just they refied. They've got a great rate. Housing tenure is going up. What would what would incentivize them to sell at a loss? That's what would happen to happen for home prices to drop. It, it, the, the way I pitch this is that after being wrong for 10, going into year 11 now, now the, now the conventional wisdom is that educated high cash flow home or very positive cash flow homeowners have to willingly sell you their homes at a 40 to 50% discount with no market bid in housing during that period with rates. And, and like I said, I, I am so tedious with my work that I give people sales ranges, mortgage rate levels, things to work off of inventory channels. This is not very sexy, I know, but it gives people a pathway. So sub 3.75% interest rate with the biggest housing demographic patch ever, with the most positive cash flow homeowners ever. And these people are going to willingly sell you their homes at a 30, 40, 50% discount just to justify some of the more tyrannical, trolling American bearish people of our lifetime. No. Could you imagine telling your wife or your husband, oh, by the way, so-and-so said the house is going to crash. Let's put our home on the market at a 40 to 56% under the market bid and sell our home there so we could get out of it and lose the nested equity. This is this has gone to, to the parts of insanity right now. And this is why the housing crash people who said 2021, the forbearance crash bros, Americans are poor. They're going to sell their house at a major discount. It's not happening, right? It doesn't operate. You need forced selling. What we have, what we have this year is forced bidding. Is the opposite. So there has to be a there has to be a model created, and that's why I would say every housing crash person you meet, ask them for their total sales forecast. Ask them where their home price decline is based on their models. They will never give you an answer. Why? None of these people work that way, right? They are not the detective. They are the troll. Well, and when we think about people who are locked into those really um, safe long-term products at a really low rate, what that actually means is just, you know, it's going to suppress inventory, right? I mean, why should they sell? Why why should people get out of their incredible rate into, you know, a, a rate that even if it's good, it's it, how is it going to be this low? This is the, the problem that I've talked about for some time. If you ignore the housing crash, people, there is a housing story that's been here for eight years. And what has happened is in 2014, total inventory at a little short-term peak, and then purchase application data adjusting to population were at all-time lows. Since 2014, purchase application data has been rising. Inventory has been falling all this time. Even 5% mortgage rates in 2018 didn't budge the inventory channels too much. It cooled the rate of growth of pricing, but it didn't budge the inventory. This is a problem. 
This is why early this year I said, I'm worried about home prices taking off in an unhealthy way, right? Because as a homeowner, it's different than an investor. Zillow has to push the pedal because they're trying to make money or lose less money. That terrible business model. But still, uh, homeowners are different. They just want somewhere to live because when they buy that house, they have a fixed low debt payment and their wages are going to rise every year and their fixed product is 15 to 30 years, right? That is a settled homeowner. That is not, that's not an investor who's looking to flip, right? And this is why flipping has been falling for many years now. The percentage returns have been falling. So these are two different categories altogether. The homeowner is the majority of the buying market out here. The flipper or the investor isn't, right? So great point on that. And I feel like, you know, before we let you go, I have to ask because, you know, we're talking about mortgage rates. You um, you are uh, among a minority who sees that maybe mortgage rates aren't going to rise next year. So please give us the, the short version of why you think that might happen. So basically, it, it, I, I'm sticking to, again, my model, right? And we go back to April 7th uh, of 2020. I said when the recovery happens, you know, the 10-year yield should rise up. Uh, to, to, to 1% by the end of 2020. But the 10-year yield should be in a range between 1.33 to 1.6. So today we had the highest ISM service number ever recorded in US history, the 10-year yields at 1.56. This notion that rates have to go higher and higher, and I understand inflation is hot, growth is hot, that four-decade downtrend in the bond market has overrided every human being uh, in the last four years who have been talking about rates going up higher respect that trend, just like Zillow stock price from February going down, you know, from 208 to 80, respect that trend. The trend is telling you something. So right now, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do the 2022 forecast at the end of the year, but that, that 10-year yield range that I talked about in 2021 was 0.62 to 1.94. We've stuck in that range with the highest level of economic growth and the highest levels of inflation. That is screaming at you that Maybe rates don't go higher, right? So again, like everything else I do, I have to create a model. We'll do that for the 2022 projections. But as of right now, what is it going to, what's going to be the case of if the Fed does start raising rates and try to slow the economy and the rate of growth of economic data is going to slow down naturally because it's, it's, it's too hot right now, why would mortgage rates really go off higher if that's the case? So there, there'll be a more uh, a more sophisticated discussion out, out right now. But what's the story for higher rates? If this year had the highest rate of growth of inflation, the highest economic growth, and we didn't even come close to testing that 1.94% level, which means that downtrend since 1981 is still attack. It owns every bad higher mortgage rates. Mortgage rates have to go a much higher call ever recorded in history. And it all revolves around this notion that when the Federal Reserve starts tapering, bond yields have to go up. It has not been the case in the previous expansion. It's sure sure not been the case recently because we all know they're going to eventually taper and the bond yields have stayed low. Logan, thank you so much for that take. I appreciate you uh, hitting those uh, topics rapid fire like that. These are some of the topics that we know our audience is very interested in. So um, we will definitely be uh, coming back to you for your forecast for 2022. But let's just put the stake in the ground here. You have said that you, you know, you're not on the bandwagon that we're going to see rates rise really, really fast. And, and you definitely don't think we're going to see a big drop in home prices. So um, you've been right on people that have gotten right. 
That's my best <laughs> advice. Don't listen to the people that are wrong for six, seven, eight, nine years. They are not the detective. They are the troll. And honestly, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a little secret. None of these people believe the stuff either, right? It's like these stock traders who are bearish on the economy, yet, oh my God, there were long stocks the entire time. Don't get sucked in into this doom and gloom cloud. They have been wrong about America since 1790, and then they will be wrong about America in the afterlife. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And, um, you know, I, I would tell anyone who wants to know more about this, check out Logan's recent articles, Waiting for a Big Drop in Home Prices, It Could Be a While, and the one on Zillow, which is uh, how Zillow's model crushed its eye-buying business. Thanks so much, Logan. Appreciate you. Pleasure to be here. Now, more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.